If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break it down. Ciao! I'm Ross Simmons, host of Create Like the Greats and the CEO of Foundation, one of the top content marketing firms in the world with some of the biggest names in software as our clients. On this segment of the show, what I like to call journal entries, I like to take you behind the scenes into my world. Journal entries are essentially where I give you a glimpse into the things that are going on within my life, whether it's a project that I just launched, a new company that I decided to bring to life, a partnership that I'm collaborating on with a peer, or maybe an angel investment that I decide to go in on. I share with you the things that are going into my goal of creating a great life. I recently was able to check something off my bucket list that I've wanted to do for a long time, which is essentially live for a short period of time in a different country. That country happened to be Italy. That's why I said ciao at the beginning of this episode. I just got back. It was a month-long trip. And in this episode of Create Like the Greats, I'm going to be sharing with you what I was able to do while there, some of the cool things that I was able to experience, but also how I was able to balance that workation with my responsibilities as the CEO of Foundation. I'll talk to you a bit about how I manage my workload, how I set the team up for success, how I was able to make some time for some well-deserved R&R, and I'm going to share with you how this travel, this trip, ultimately impacted my perspective going into the rest of the year, and how I'm going to channel that inspiration into creating something great. But before I get into that, I want to share with you one of the biggest hacks, one of the biggest tips and insights that I got from this trip, and that was the power of working in a different time zone. You see, Foundation has been a remote company since the beginning. We've always been remote. We've always embraced this idea of remote first culture, but I've always worked primarily on Atlantic Standard Time, Eastern Time, and sometimes when I went to the West Coast, to California and San Francisco, etc., I would work on the West Coast time zone as well. But this was the first time I went the other way. I went the other way and I worked on Italy time. Now, When I did this, I didn't know what the impact would be, but it was huge. It was huge to be able to wake up, know that the rest of my team was asleep, outside of a few foundationites who live in Spain and Nigeria, etc. But for the most part, I was able to really just chill knowing that there would be no notifications from the time I woke up pretty much straight until shortly after lunchtime. This was fascinating. It was fascinating because it was very quiet. And in all of this quiet, I was able to just live and experience life with my little ones and with the family. And that was pretty great. Now, amidst all of this, I did set some guardrails and I'll talk about that a little bit later around how I was able to manage this workation. But another thing that I have to share with you, and this is probably one of the most important, is that when people talk about pizza and they say that Italy's got good pizza, they're not joking, folks. The pizza was ridiculous. I'm currently on a cleanse because I ate so much pizza. The The pizza straight out of Naples um, is, without question, in my opinion, the best pizza that you will ever have. If you ever get a chance to have one, do it. It is delicious. Um, the Neapolitan pizza is something to look out for. And I'm coming home trying to replicate that recipe, but we're not here to talk about that. I just want to say that really quickly. Like you throw in some buffalo mozza on a slice of pizza and it's a chef's kiss, but we're not here to talk about that. I want to talk about workation, how I was able to make it work a full month in Italy, roaming the streets of Rome, visiting the beautiful coast of Gaeta, going to Naples, Napoli, 
and just enjoying the entire trip. Let's jump into it. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with your customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's kind of like trying to remember the name of the guy that you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Was it Don? Was it John or Sean? Who knows, right? It's like that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution program, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that helps handle frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps your reps anticipate customers' needs. And a full 360 view of every customer so you can go to market and your go-to-market team can have a pulse on the accounts before you try to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale, support, drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service, happier customers at every single stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more with your customers today. All right. So the first thing that I did when prepping for this trip is I ensured that I was documenting as much as possible. Documentation is one of the most important parts of business, ensuring that you have playbooks, ensuring that you have documentation around policies and procedures. Having all of those things written down can go a very long way. In my role as CEO, there are a handful of things that I oversee. Specifically, I oversee things like marketing and the sales function within foundation. And I needed to ensure that those engines could operate smoothly. And we've got a great team at foundation that were able to run it for the full month without me really getting too involved. Sure, I had to share a few pieces of advice here and there, but because we have such great documentation and because we've got, taken the time to actually document all of the things that go into the process for closing a deal, for onboarding a new client, for having a dialogue with a new client, or for even just onboarding new people. We hired people while I was away and all of this was possible because we have the processes in place that make it so. And that was a key part of all of this. Just having the documentation all written down was a major unlock for us. And one of the things that we also do to ensure that people have a better glimpse into how to do a task is we record these things called looms. A loom is essentially a video that gives people a hands-on look with a screen share of how to do a certain thing. And by watching that loom and seeing exactly how to add something to HubSpot or how to send a certain email. All of these things are done in Loom and it makes it easier for our team to keep track and stay on top of things. Now, another thing that I did that made this workation extremely successful was I invested time and energy in ensuring that I had a calendar set up that provided a bit of stability and also certainty to the team. I had a weekly call with my COO and I had two to three calls scheduled every single week with my EA. Now these calls had different purposes, right? The call with the COO wasn't the same as the call with the EA and vice versa. The call with the COO was primarily rooted in just talking about progress, talking about the organization's quarterly priorities, the things that we were striving for in the past quarter, talking about the client relationships that are are currently thriving within foundation and those that might need a little bit more love 
talking in depth around the state of the market and the various economic challenges that are facing SaaS companies around the globe and how we can navigate that. Talking more strategic and high level about the state of the business, about where we're investing, about R&D, about the processes that we're embracing, the, the resourcing challenges, the recruitment opportunities, all of these things we discussed in that weekly call with the COO. We talked big picture, we talked about projects, and it allowed me to really just be an ear for her to be able to bounce ideas off of and have discussions around things that she was working through and provide a glimpse into my perspective on things. But she ultimately led that call and led that agenda, and it was very effective in doing so. I believe over the course of the month, we had three or four of these. They weren't as frequent as my EA calls, which were two to three a week. And my EA calls were extremely useful for unblocking the team. Because if there was anything that the team needed Ross's perspective on or needed my ideas on or needed my guidance on, we would use this time to unblock them. We tried and attempted prior to me leaving to ensure that everything was unblocked. And I'll be honest, when we took our first few calls, the team didn't have barely anything for me. But as time went on, there was a few things that the team wanted my perspective on and she brought those to me and I was able to, again, help move those projects forward. But for the most part, the team had it covered the entire time. Just having these calls was kind of intentionally meant to just give us a, a bit of a check-in. And for the vast majority of the updates that my EA was providing me, they weren't necessarily from the team. They were things that were happening from external people reaching out, wanting to get my time on a podcast, wanting to get my time to to speak at an event, wondering if I would be interested in a relationship with their project or their company and their startup, investing in their company, things of that nature. So the conversations that I had with my EA actually weren't directly related to foundation predominantly and instead were mostly inbound requests from the internet and from other people that I have connections with. And this tells me that the team did things right. Right. This tells me the team did things right because we've gotten to a point where the organization is built with policies, with procedures, with structures, with a culture where autonomy has been established and people can do things on their own and make their own right decisions. Now, it's impossible to go an entire month without something happening. So things happen within the company that required my attention. And some of them were able to just kind of be read in a quick response in an email. But some things that happened were definitely things that really needed my attention and things that deserved my attention. We made the time in my calendar probably two times over the course of the entire month where I stepped out and said, all right, I gotta take this call. Now, here's the thing that's beautiful about time zones. The time when I took these calls was typically 9.30 or 10. Now, for them, it might have been 2 p.m., 3 p.m., but for me, it was like 9.30 or 10, which was great because my little ones were asleep. My wife was asleep. Everybody was asleep. So it didn't actually impact the holiday. It didn't impact our vacation. It didn't impact our quality time together as a family, traveling, eating a bunch of gelato and eating pizza. I was able to take these calls. I was able to plug in, wire in, and take these calls and, and show up for um, potential new partners to show up for existing partners and show up in a way for the team to really show that I'm still here, even though I'm on the other side of the globe. And that to me, while we weren't planning for it, just as a part of the game, 
right? Like I see a lot of folks on LinkedIn, on Twitter, talking often about when you're on vacation, you got a hundred percent unplugged, blah, 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 blah. And I get that if you're not the CEO, I get that if you don't run the company, I get that if you're not leading the, the org. But as a founder, if something is happening and it's important for your business and you need to be there, then you got to show up, right? Like you just have to. And in these cases, that's what I had to do. And I know that that lifestyle isn't for everyone. Not everybody would like it. Some people would hear that and be like, man, that's brutal. I'm so sorry that you had to do it. But don't be sorry for me, right? I got to travel for an entire month with my family, seeing things that I never expected. And I was able to do that knowing that yeah, I had to take a couple calls, right? Like that is not that bad. In my opinion, it's a great scenario to be in. And I was happy to take these calls, happy to build those relationships um, and have conversations with people in the industry, even though it was during my workation. The final things that I wanna share with you about my trip to Italy is just some, some glimpse into perspective that I gained. Some of you are probably big soccer fans and you're probably gonna think that what I say right now is ridiculous. But two things happened while I was in Italy that I didn't even know was going on, which is wild on its own looking back, but we're in Naples and it's a few weeks back and the streets are booming. Hundreds of thousands of people every single place you go, millions of people everywhere you go. There were so many people on the streets. Police are out. There's people selling things left, right, and center. The Naples soccer slash football team, their jerseys are being slung on every single corner. There's flags everywhere. There's banners everywhere. There's blue everywhere, right? And this big number three on the Italian flag everywhere. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is all about. I have no clue. Turns out, that the Naples soccer team just won their third championship. Turns out that there was a bunch of people in town for this event. And it turns out that Naples is like a huge soccer city. Like, I know it sounds ridiculous if you're a soccer fan to hear someone say, oh, wait, what? But like, I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue. I'm a big American football fan. I'm a big Eagles fan. I've been to Philly. I go to Philly games. I love to tailgate. I love to enjoy the city. But there is nothing like European football and seeing the crowd and the fans and the passion that they have for it. Being there just popped a bubble for me. It popped a bubble because not only was I completely unaware about this major, major celebration going on, but in addition to that, I had no clue about someone who in Naples is like bigger than Michael Jordan, bigger than Wayne Gretzky, bigger than Kobe, bigger than LeBron James, Maradona. Now, I had no clue, again, who this person was, but there was pictures of them everywhere you go. There were murals, there were t-shirts, there were tattoos, there were signs in windows everywhere you looked. There were signs representing this guy named Maradona. Again, when I get there, I had no clue. But leaving, I studied the history, I learned about how Maradona brought Naples championships. Amazing story, wild story, but amazing story. Strongly recommend you check it out. What's fascinating to me and the mind shift for me and the mental realization for me is the fact that all of this is happening in Naples. A huge place, right? 
having a massive impact on culture. And over here, North America, I'm on the east coast of Canada, so sure, small, small place. I had no clue. I had no idea about any of it. And to me, the realization is, like, no matter how big of an impact you think you're having, no matter how big you think you're, you are online with YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Reddit and Quora, podcasting, whatever it may be, in the grand scheme of things, folks, you're probably much smaller than you think. And for me, it was a personal realization that like, you really have no reason not to share more. You have no reason not to create more. At the end of the day, no one still knows who you are. No one knows who I am. Sure, you're listening to me and I appreciate you so much. But in the grand scheme of things, when I walked through the streets of Naples, there was probably not one person who I walked past that follows me online, that follows me on Twitter, follows me on LinkedIn, follows my, subscribes to my newsletter. Not one. I say this because so many of us are scared to be too promotional. So many of us are afraid to share our stories, to get the word out there. So many of us are even afraid to try something because we don't want to be embarrassed by this small little circle of people that happen to follow us online right now when none of it matters. None of it matters because it is such a small sample size in the grand scheme of things, right? People out there in the world today have had an impact on literally hundreds of thousands of people sometimes millions of people, and you don't even know their name. You don't even know their name. And you're here trying to create content that shapes culture. You're here trying to build your brand. You're here trying to launch your business, launch something that impacts your community, impacts your space, impacts your industry and your your lane, but you're afraid to share things? That is such a broken mindset. You need to be, in my opinion, just relentless because at the end of the day it's very likely that you will not even get close get close to reaching the levels of folks like maradona right because because their impact is significant yet i still hadn't heard of them right and i'm sure some other listeners will say the exact same thing I go and I'm watching the game and I'm seeing these players who people there just absolutely love that I've never heard of, right? Some kid walks up to me and is like, hmm, are you a footballer? You look like Oshiman. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. And then I, I get a lesson on who he is. I look nothing like him. I don't even have the, the gold tips like he does. But again, I'm going down a path that doesn't have anything to do with this. My point is this, folks. You have to be willing to acknowledge the fact that there is so much more. There are so many more people out there. There's so much more you can do. There's so much more reach you can have. There's so much more impact that you have. The only thing that can hold you back is whether or not you look at yourself and you say, all right, am I holding myself back because of ego? Am I holding myself back because of fear? Am I holding myself back because I want to be comfortable? And if that is the answer, that you want to be comfortable, then embrace it. I have nothing against people who are okay and happy with where they are. But those who are frustrated, those who are struggling, those who are in a position and they're hungry to get more, achieve more, build more, launch more, achieve more, and reach more, create things, build things, and recognize that at the end of the day, at the end of it all, 
The only thing that will matter is whether or not you can look back at that journey that you've had through life and you can say, I gave it my all. I tried, I failed, I got there, I succeeded, whatever it may be. Just be able to tell yourself that you gave it your all. And if you do that, then you'll be successful. Thank you folks for listening. I will see you on the internet. Let's break it down.